This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're actually looking into getting the FBI involved. It's a big concern, especially hearing uh, how many people uh, pirated the uh, Mayweather-McGregor fight. Hopefully we can minimize that, uh, that pirated number, uh, hopefully to zero. In. Welcome to episode three of the Jim Rohn podcast. What an amazing time in sports. Week one of the NFL is in the books. We had a tremendous weekend of college football and boxing is back on the main stage. So what we're trying to do this week is give you a little bit of a taste of everything. Boxing legend Oscar De La Hoya joins me for a long overdue conversation as we get ready for a fight that he thinks could become an instant classic Canelo versus Triple G. Plus, I'll look back on some of my favorite boxing interviews that I've done over the years, both on radio and TV. Spoiler alert, Mike Tyson admitted to me once that he was looking to kill me. Plus, defending Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson takes a break from absolutely wrecking defenses to hop on the pod. So, how do you pick one topic on a week like this? It's a podcast. You don't have to. Let me say this. I'm a huge MMA fan. I love it. But I love boxing as well. In fact, I grew up watching boxing. I've got unbelievable memories of watching fights with my old man when I was a kid, waking up in the morning, being fired up all day long for the mega fights that you used to get on subscription TV, or even the amazing matchups that you could get on network TV back in the day. So to me, it's never been about either boxing or MMA. I love both because I love combat sports and I love the characters that are in both those businesses, the fighters, the trainers, the promoters. You know, I've said that I've never seen an athlete with a better rap or a more compelling story than Conor McGregor, but I've talked to dozens of boxers over the years that I might put in the same class. I'll have my conversation with Oscar De La Hoya momentarily. He's a Hall of Famer. He fought and beat some of the very best of his era, but my favorite De La Hoya fight especially since I'm a Southern California native, was his 2002 battle with Fernando Vargas. You had to be here, even live here at that time, to appreciate how personal and how bitter that relationship was, especially in the case of Vargas, who felt that De La Hoya had disrespected him on the way up. And as proud as he was, he never forgot that nor forgave him for that. Vargas, back in the day, would appear on my radio program and would relentlessly mock Oscar as his, quote, son. Now, listening to what you say about the first time you met Trinidad, it sounds like it was just the opposite of the first time you met your son. Exactly. Well, you know, I told you that I definitely gave my son up for adoption. Um, He's no longer uh, my son. He's not worthy of being my son. Uh, You know, um, I can't have a a son of mine being a Ricky Martin impersonator. I can't have that. So Vargas had this great rap, and he was funny as hell. But make no mistake, he was a warrior, and he was very, very proud. And he knew that he may not be as slick or as polished or as talented as De La Hoya in the ring, but he didn't care because he made it clear to me before the fight he would rather die than lose to De La Hoya. 
you know, I think what you're saying, finally, Fernando, is it's not just another fight or another paycheck or even another belt. This one's personal. As you said, this, this is your this life. Personal. This is my life. No doubt. And, and I will give my life up in that ring. And it's like this, you know, Delaware said many times, you know, that he used to get, you know, beat up at school and, and you know, run home crying. And and uh, in, in, in boxing, Romy, at the end of the day, when, when push comes to shove and you're in in the ring going toe-to-toe with somebody, skills go out the window, and the only thing that's in there is heart and balls. And I don't think he got that. So if that kid used to get punked and, and slapped around and and beat up and go home crying, that kid's always inside of you. And when push comes to shove, when, school, when skills go out the window, and it's all about showing balls, he ain't got them. And I know he ain't got them. Mind dragged to the floor, Romy, and that's the way I feel. And I'll give my life up in that ring. It was an amazing fight that De La Hoya finished in the 11th round. I'll ask him what he remembers about that night and how much that win means to him even today when we talk in a few minutes. I mentioned that I'm not sure I've ever seen a guy with a better rap or a more compelling story than Conor McGregor. But as tough as McGregor had it, it was nothing compared to the boxer that I'm about to mention. In fact, I've never seen or heard of any athlete who lived the life that the late Johnny Tapia did. Tapia, also an absolute legend in the ring, a world champion, willing to eat three punches to land just one. A guy who had been to hell and back nine different times outside the ring. Somebody who battled substance abuse and every other demon imaginable. I interviewed Johnny Tapia several times, but it was never more chilling than the time he admitted to me that he was going to kill the person who killed his mother. It was a big burden on my back. You know what, as a matter of fact, uh, my wife went and we, she hired some private detectives to open up the case one more time. And then when I found out who killed him, who killed her, that was the day I fought Polly Ayala. I didn't train for two weeks. I went and rented a hotel. I wanted to go stab this guy the same way he stabbed my mom. I was going to kill him. And I told bye to everybody. I was going to really kill him. I was going to take him. I was going to cut him pieces like nothing, like what he did to my mother. But I found out that he got hit by three cars and died. But then I found out where his family lived. I was going to go get them too. But by the grace of God, we just let it go. And the guy got taken care of by the grace of God by getting hit three times. And it wasn't right to go after his family because, you know what, it was. It would have been my stupid part, but I would have made a big mess, believe me. Johnny, I'm scared to think, had he not died in a car wreck, had he been alive? I'd have killed you... him. I'd have killed him easy. No no question that. Like chewing bubblegum, I would have killed him. Right away, I would have killed him. Johnny Tapio always, always left everything he had in the ring. The pride of Albuquerque, he passed away in 2012. Now, longtime listeners of my radio program know that one of the greatest interviews in show history is none other than the executioner, Bernard Hopkins. I'm going to say easily one of my favorite top 10 interviews ever, maybe top five. Even when I called him and Roy Jones out during our Super Bowl coverage one year and Bernard threatened to execute me for it. No, you're going to buy these damn tickets, so I'm going to jump over this table. <laughs> See, that's what you're going to do, Jim. I, do you know how many tickets I just oh, sold you? Fact, I got to fight Do you know how else. many tickets I just sold you, and you're threatening listen, to come over the table on me? Listen, My man, I made you tickets. a lot of money in the last 10 minutes. You made me you a lot of money. You should be thanking no, me, me instead of, money of threatening me. Years. I made you, I've made all your money for you, Bernard. Okay. In you that should case, be thanking me instead of threatening me. In that case, I'll spare you from the execution. Believe me, when I tell you, Bernard was half joking, half serious, and wanting to execute me. 
Meanwhile, Roy Jones, who was saying nothing at the time, but if looks could kill, he definitely wanted me dead listening to that. Now, these guys show up acting like it was one of the best ideas ever, when in reality, it was one of the worst. And then they're pissed at me for asking them what the hell they were thinking and doing. Let's just say, luckily, I lived to fight another day. All the more incredible when it got back to me that Mike Tyson wanted to kill me. How do I know? He told me. I'll have that for you on the back end of this conversation with Oscar De La Hoya. But before that, let me tell you all about Casper. Let me ask you if you've ever been in this situation. Middle of the night, you're tossing, you're turning, you're not sleeping, you're drenched, you're covered in sweat. What are you going to do? I mean, you can run the AC or the fan all night long to try to keep cool, but who can afford to do that? What you should do is get rid of your heat-trapping mattress and then sleep as cool as the other side of the pillow like I do on my Casper mattress every single night. You see, Casper has two high-tech foams, and they guarantee that you have a great night of sleep. Guarantee that you sleep cool, comfortably, and fully supported every single night. And the Casper mattress ships for free in a box so small, you will not believe it holds the mattress. That makes it easy to get from your front door to your bedroom. And the reason they do that is so you can try it risk-free for 100 nights in your own home. If you don't love your Casper, they will come pick it up and refund you everything and not ask why. I absolutely love my Casper. Sleep cool and comfortably every single night like I do. Get a Casper. Try yours for 100 nights with free shipping and returns. Simply go to casper.com slash Rome 50. Use the code Rome 50 and get 50 bucks off towards the purchase of your mattress. Again, casper.com slash Rome 50. Code name Rome 50 will get you 50 bucks off towards the purchase of yours. Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, before I get to my conversation with Oscar De La Hoya, I want to get caught up on my voicemails from the past week. If you're new to the pod, I've set up an answering machine that you can call anytime about anything. So save this number, 949-385-0447. In fact, go ahead and put that in your phone, 949-385-0447. Use it when you need to. If you've got a take, call me. Blast it over the weekend. I don't even care. Lob me a call. Need some advice? Hit me up. Do what these people did. Pick up the phone. Give me a buzz. Now let's go ahead and check out what we have on tape from this past week. You have 11 new messages. First new message. Help me, Romy One Kenobi. You're my only hope. Atlanta got a freaking soccer team and it's driving me insane. Please kill communist kickball in Atlanta. Message deleted. Next message. Tyler and Edmonton. I would way rather have two more minutes Adam Carolla than some horny chick from the States talking about Sidney Crosby's Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Timothy, this is Ron, a.k.a. Steamroller from Michigan. I got the name because I used to smoke weed out of a toilet paper roll. Message deleted. Next message. Oh, hey, Jim. It's Sherry from Sherry's Berries calling. Hey, so I got that order you placed for Randall, and unfortunately, I cannot accept your endorsed Space Jam check. So if you could just send me, like, a regular check or money order for next week, we'll take care of that order for you right away. Thanks. Message deleted. Next message. Vince Mack. Alan and Raleigh here. Heard you wanted some fantasy advice, so I got some for you. Get guys who score a lot. That's why my team has won Zorro, Deloro, Philip Rivers, and... Pro Marty. Message deleted. Next message. Jim, Jumpman, Drew. 
Terrence Newman, Nap Nation. Wow, bro. I'm napping it out in the car right now and listening to you and eating a Subway sandwich and drinking a beer. Just having a beautiful day. And I just wanted to say, have a lovely, lovely, lovely day. Hey. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Rome, pick up. Pick up. I got an extra ticket to the Lions game and figured I wanted to see if you could go. The beer's on me. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim, what's going on? Brad Kansas City here. Just wanted to say I've been watching the pregame all Sunday morning. All everybody wants to talk about, what's wrong with New England? I'll tell you what's wrong with New England. They got their ass kicked by a superior Kansas City team. Message saved. Next message. This is Jeremy in Colorado Springs. After listening for a little while, hearing the very first Jim Rome F-bomb that I've ever heard was awesome. I would say it's probably like a top five, maybe even a top three day of my life for Brock Lobster. Message saved. Next message. Uh, this is Pete from CEO City. Hey, man, first I want to apologize for any messages I left last night because I was hamsky. Message deleted. Next message. Rome, Mike in Buffalo. Hey, I'm, I was at the Bills game today. I'm just waiting in the lot, waiting for the traffic to die down. And I kid you not, there's a couple right now getting after it, wrestling, whatever you want to call it, on top of an XR4TI. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, listen up. I understand that I put that voicemail out there for you and I encourage you to use it. It's not guaranteed. I can rip that thing right back. And especially considering how loose you're getting with this. Look, I understand this is a podcast. I also know we're not on live radio. I know from time to time, I even drop the occasional four-letter bomb. Maybe a guest will get a little bit loose, like Adam Carolla last week. But clones, you've got to clean this thing up. You have to clean this thing up. What if my phone was ringing and my son picked it up? Hell, what if I picked it up? Now, I know some of you, and by some of you, I mean pretty much all of you, are calling me hamskied. And I know that Sherry of Sherry's Berries, allegedly, sounds a hell of a lot like a particular lady clone who is extremely thirsty for Jack Del Rio and Kurt Warner. But do not bring me down. I gave it to you, and I can rip it just as quickly. Respect the voicemail. Clean it up, clones. Clean it up. I want to make sure that you're still there for episode four, or at least your calls. I have what I consider a great conversation with Oscar De La Hoya for this week's episode. Great because it was real. I mean, easy to rap about the successes you've had in the ring. Not so easy to be real about the trouble you've had outside of it. But he was calling his battle against substance abuse, once his career ended, his greatest fight of all. He also hit on his biggest wins inside the ring, his battle on social with Dana White, and of course, Saturday's showdown between his fighter Canelo Alvarez and Triple G, a fight that he says is going to be a bloodbath and could remind us of Hagler Hearns from back in the day. Oh, and if you're looking to rip that fight, you better not. He says the feds could get involved in pay-per-view piracy going forward. I think the difference is going to be um, who can take the better punch. I know for a fact that these guys are going to land bombs on each other. Um, I know that these guys are going to just go straight forward to each other. Um, I mean, both guys do not know how to take a step going backwards. So 
I mean, obviously, it calls for uh, it calls for a bloodbath. I I literally think it's going to be like six or seven to eight, nine rounds of of hell for both guys. It, it, this is this is a real fight. So it sounds like you're saying somebody's going to end up on their back. Is that how this fight ends with somebody on their back? I think so. I think so. I, I think. Look, I mean, both guys are, are going to take the punishment the first few rounds because they're in such great shape. I mean, these these are the types of fights that you know where you elevate your game, you 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 run that extra mile, you box more rounds so you can make sure that you're in great shape. You know, these are the types of fights that elevate your game, and so I think both guys will be able to take some punishment in the beginning. But once once you start penetrating that armor. Eventually, uh, eventually, your chin gives out, or uh, you know, your, uh, the resistance gives out, and, and, and you know, somebody's gonna go down. Now, Oscar, you've been on that stage. You had a number of fights like that. You know what it's like. So, what is your biggest right. concern for Canelo heading into this fight? Well, I mean, the biggest concern is obviously being blown out of the water by by Triple G. That's that's the worst case scenario that can take place inside that ring. I mean, look, if he loses um, in a great fight. So be it, um, as long as it was a great fight. I'm being a fan here. These are the types of fights that I, I dream of as a fan and as a promoter. What's it like for a fighter, a great boxer, a great fighter like Canelo, if something like that does happen, if a guy gets blown out completely, what's that do to a fighter mentally, emotionally, physically, and do they come back from something like that? It's very difficult to come back uh, from something like that. I mean, it, it, uh, your confidence is shot. Um, you know, you, you start to doubt yourself whether you can get in the ring once again. You take a look at Manny Pacquiao when he fought Juan Manuel Marquez and he got knocked out by that one shot. You know, he, obviously he was never the same again. You know, there's, there's, there's that one punch that you get hit with and that you never recover from and ruins your career. It takes you out of that, that strong mentality, you know, that, that, that mentality of a warrior. So now you're vulnerable. Now... Now you question yourself whether you can take a punch or not. Now, Oscar, there was a ton of interest, obviously, in McGregor and Mayweather, and even on record about how you felt about that fight. But let me ask you this. With all that interest, did that help your fight this coming Saturday night, or did that hurt your fight? Well, I think, I think it's going to help. I think the, uh, the $4 million-plus uh, pay-per-view buyers, uh, and I'm pretty sure there were more eyeballs watching that fight, you know, they, they got a taste. They got a taste of what boxing's all about. Obviously, I didn't think it was a real a real boxing fight, but they got a taste of what boxing's all about, and a lot of people actually were entertained and enjoyed it. So, look, I mean, if, if those people thought that Mayweather McGregor was entertaining, watch watch the two best middleweights today inside inside the inside the ring because this fight here is a real fight. This fight here is going to be a an explosive fight. Two of the best guys. I can picture this fight like uh, Thomas Hearns versus Marvelous Marvin Hagler. You know, that, that type of energy, that type of uh, excitement, uh, that fast-paced type of fight. I'm really looking forward to it because we, we don't get these types of fights uh, every day. No, we don't. We don't. I mean, you don't see fights like that, and that was an amazing fight that you mentioned. You know, you just said something about it. the other fight probably will get a pay-per-view or a buy rate of $4 million or more, plus there were, quote, other eyes. And when we're talking about things like Periscope and people pirating the fight, as a promoter, do you just kind of factor that in like it is what it is, there's not much we can do, or does that piss you off knowing people are stealing your product? No, there, there's actually things we can do. Um, we're, we're actually looking into getting the FBI involved. It's a big concern, especially hearing uh, how many 
how many people uh, pirated uh, the uh, Mayweather-McGregor fight, but um, we have uh, people who are on top of it. So uh, is it a concern? Yes. Is it a big concern uh, long-term? Uh, I, th- I think that we're going to tackle the situation, the problem uh, for future fights, and uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can minimize that, uh, that pirated number, uh, hopefully to zero. I mean, just the way uh, we did with, uh, with the cable boxes back in the day. Everybody used to pirate the uh, the fights, and now it's obviously almost impossible because of uh, satellite TV. You know, it's it's a big problem. You, you had an issue with the fight, McGregor Mayweather Oscar, but let me ask you this: I mean, to the point that you tweeted, and I quote, "Fuck you, Mayweather versus McGregor. Both of you are disrespecting the sport of boxing." Now, I know you had an issue, but a "fuck you" blast on social, Oscar, that's a little out of character. Where did that come from? Well, it, it is a little out of character, but um, I just felt that uh, it was a farce. I, I just felt that uh, that it was a disrespect to boxing. I love the sport. This is the sport that gave me my ten world titles, uh, my gold medal, um, and you know, uh, this is the sport that uh, that I dearly love. And I was defending it, you know, and, and and I was I was talking to the fans. I was talking to those Mayweather fans. I was talking to those McGregor fans that that all they do is cuss, you know. So so people saw a fight where. You know, Mayweather carried him for four, five, six rounds, whatever it was. And when he unleashed his punches, he was able to just knock him out or stop him. Where where Mayweather, I mean, when was the last time that Mayweather stopped any type of fighter? You know, I just, I thought it was a, I thought it was a farce. You think that was a bad look? Was that a bad look for Mayweather and for boxing that he couldn't get an MMA route who had never boxed professionally before, that he couldn't get him out in the early rounds? Was that a bad look? Well, let's put it this way. Um... I'll, and I'll be blunt with you, is uh, if Canelo was in there with McGregor, first of all, he wouldn't carry him. Uh, Canelo would probably wipe him out in one round. I mean, that's, that's the truth. That's the bottom line. He would, he would literally knock him out in one round. People are saying, well, McGregor, he actually looked good. Yeah, because Mayweather let him look good. You know, I mean, since when does Mayweather not throw punches for four or five rounds? And when he did, he was able to stop him. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, McGregor, you saw McGregor breathing hard in the second round. So, Oscar, why do you think he did that? What did Mayweather have to gain by doing that, and why would he carry him the way he did? Well, from what I heard, stories coming out of Vegas uh, in the media, I heard Mayweather try to bet on himself in the 10th round and was, was turned down. And, and, and then Mayweather sent one of his uh, entourage people, whatever, whoever they were, bodyguard or... Uh, over to bet for him in the tenth round. So, and and, uh, and it so happens that he stopped him in the tenth round. I mean, it's it's just I don't know. You know, Oscar, it's it's when you look at that tweet that you had, it was obviously personal to you. You are boxing. Boxing's done so much for you, and you felt that that was an affront to the sport. After you tweeted that, Dana White responded, and it got personal again. And his response was, as you know, WTF. Is this guy snorting coke and drinking booze again? Hashtag Oscar de la Aram. I mean, that's pretty heavy lumbered and pretty personal. What was your reaction when you saw that? I actually felt bad for, uh, for Dana. I mean, even for, for attacking me personally. I mean, obviously, all that happened 10 years ago, you know, 12 years ago, whatever. Um, I thank God that I, I was able to survive that, those dark moments of my life. And to bring up something personal was just uncalled for. You know, I, I've never attacked anybody, including Mayweather, personally, you know, as a human being. And I would never do that. It was me defending 
the sport that I dearly love, me defending boxing, which, like I said, gave me everything. And uh, so when they attack me personally, it's uh, it's obviously a low blow. Hmm. Have you spoken to Dana White about that since? No, no, not at all. I haven't had the opportunity, but um, look, I mean, if I see him, it's, uh, it is what it is. I can understand, I guess, where he's coming from. You know, he's defending his sport and his guy, but obviously we all, we all saw what happened. I mean, he had that disappointed face when, uh, when the referee stopped the fight. But what do you expect? I mean, look, if, if Mayweather was inside the octagon, obviously his guy would win. Boxing is a totally different sport. I mean, and I respect the MMA, uh, the octagon. I respect the fighters. I mean, if, if, if any boxer tried to get into the octagon, we wouldn't even come close to, to beating anybody there because they're respectable fighters at what they do. And, and, and we're respectable fighters at what we do. What was the most challenging thing for you once your boxing career ended? It's like every athlete or, or entertainer or, or, you know, uh, or movie actor or whatever. It's like you, you, you lose your identity. I mean, who, who you really are. I mean, here you, here you are a fighter, right? Or, or, or I've been a fighter all my life, and then I retire, and now what? Where am I going to feel? Where am I going to get that, that adrenaline rush? Where am I going to, you know, the limelight, the, the people cheering, you know? How can I feel that? When I, and, and when you don't feel it, when you don't see it, uh, when you when you're not part of it, then you lose yourself, and uh, you know you turn to you turn to bad things, and that's exactly what happened to me. But the one thing that that I'm actually most proud of is exactly what what happened to me, what the, the courage that I that I the, the the strength that I had to pick myself up, and that's that's actually that's actually you know I'm actually glad that I was able to obviously because look I mean it's it's. You hear all these horror stories, and you hear these 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 stories that you know. There's people who don't, who just don't survive it. I'm a perfect example that it can be survived. That you can lift yourself up and 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 fight another round. You know, because I was I was I was getting knocked down day in and day out. Every single round, I was getting knocked down. So and and at the end of the day, I was able to win the fight. So um, I'm I'm pretty proud of myself. How bad did it get, and what was rock bottom? Well, just just the the, the seclusion, the, you know, uh, not seeing family. Um, I mean, it was pretty bad. You know, it's like uh, you don't want to deal with anybody. You want you don't want to deal with nothing. With uh, you, you know, your your business is going downhill. Everything's going downhill. I mean, the, I, I can feel the spiral. You know, just and and it was yeah, it was bad. I mean, it was it was lonely. Let's put it that way. It was very very lonely. And so, you know, to get yourself out of that hole, a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength, you know. And it's not strength and courage from everybody else. I mean, because everybody else was telling me, come on, Oscar, you can do it. Just just lift yourself up, shake yourself out, and, and you can do this. It, it wasn't all about that. It was, a, it, it was about telling myself and looking myself in the mirror and telling myself, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to reminisce just a little bit because I can remember during your career, you would come on our show before all of these big fights, and you had so many great wins. Rafael Ruelas, General Hernandez, James Leja, Julio Cesar Chavez, Pernell Whitaker, Ike Quarte, Arturo Gatti, Fernando Vargas, Ricardo Mayorga, to name a few. When you look back on it, if you had to pick one, what was your finest moment in the ring? I think, I think the finest moment has to be, um, has to be Ike Corte. You know, it was, it was one of those fights where he had dropped me, I dropped him. The last round, that 12 final round was like a classic Rocky movie, you know. Um, we were just pummeling on each other and, uh, once that bell rang, we lifted our hands and, you know, we, we both felt we were winners and, uh, 
I was able to come out with a decision. But uh, that's that's where I believe I showed my my true colors. I, I showed heart. Um, I showed courage. I was worried in between rounds. Uh, it was one of those fights where you had I had to dig deep down inside and 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 go through fire in order to win that one. And uh, and I was able to. Oscar, I think it takes a different breed to step between the ropes no matter what. But those who know remember what a warrior Ike Corte was. Here in SoCal, though, we remember the bitter feud between you and Fernando Vargas. And it, it never used to get real personal for you. You know, you just handled it as a business and as an athlete. But did it ever get more personal with an opponent than it did Vargas? And then how gratifying was it to finish the fight the way you did that night? No, it was, it was never more personal uh, with any other fight any other fighter um than than fernando vargas it was uh it was one of those fights where uh you know the more trash talk the more shit he talked uh, uh you know the the bigger i was becoming the stronger i was becoming the harder i was training like i really wanted to take care of business and uh you know i remember that fight the first round he almost had me through the ropes I almost ended the fight i mean this guy hit like a mule but i was able to uh to weather it and uh, was able to knock him out in the 11th round, which was a, a classic fight. God, the pride. I mean, the pride was so intense. I'll never forget the look on his face when you finished that fight the way you did because, I mean, say what you want about Vargas. That was a, a proud, proud guy. I mean, do you ever run into him since? What are you? What kind of terms are you guys on now? I actually do. Um, you know, we're actually friends. Hmm. Um, we've, uh, yeah, we, we patched things up. And, uh, look, I mean, he's, he's actually a... a, a, a uh, uh, kind of, you know, a person who turned his life around. He's he's, he's a nice guy. He's training young fighters, uh, which I admire. I mean, he's he's uh, contributing back to the sport that gave him everything. You know, he's training young kids, changing their lives around. So it's he's a uh, he's a guy that I actually uh, admire f- uh, for doing that, for for changing his life around and putting in the work. You know, uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, those those times with, with when I fought Vargas and Mayorga and. Trinidad and all these guys, Shane Mosley, um, you know, they were, there were times in boxing where, where you knew you would get real good fights. That's exactly what we're going to get here with, uh, with Canelo and, and Triple G is a real, real good fight. So uh, this is the fight that doesn't happen every single day. So I'm, I'm really glad and proud to have put this put together. Great, great conversation with Oscar De La Hoya. And I fully expect Canelo v. Triple G to be the fight of the year. And especially if these two guys do stand in front of each other the way De La Hoya says that he hopes they will and that they might. And just to complete the thought about some of my favorite boxers to rap with over the years, Lennox Lewis is somebody else who comes to mind. The heavyweight champion of the world is supposed to be the biggest, baddest mofo ever. Lennox, though, was so cerebral, so classy, seemingly so above the entire thing. I mean, hell, this guy played chess, but he was a great champion and a great interview. I'll never forget him coming on my radio program and talking about the time Mike Tyson bit him at a press conference. I was shocked because, you know, if anybody's ever been bitten by another human, you know, I mean, there's a big shock wave that goes over their face. Like, is he biting, really biting into my leg? And uh, somebody said... You know, you sure that was Tyson? You sure that was Tyson that actually bit your leg? Who else? Dude, when you feel someone biting into your leg, you automatically look down and push away whatever's creating that pain. And I seen Tyson's fate and he's looking at me with his teeth going, you know. But uh, And I was upset because uh, I just got a brand new suit at that time and I had to throw it away. And that suit was an expensive one. You don't get this twisted. 
Lennox didn't look or sound the part, but he was a great fighter and champion. Which brings me to Mike, who did look and sound the part. Probably the single most intimidating and terrifying athlete I have ever seen, for obvious reasons. And one guy who I never actually interviewed during his career, strangely enough, but I talked about all the time. And apparently what I said about him worked its way back to him, and he would later admit to me on my Showtime show that he was looking to find me and kill me. Jim, I'm just happy I don't, um, I don't um, have that life anymore, Jim. You know, Jim, I'm just so happy, Jim. God damn. Yeah. What was that all about back then, Jim? Jim, what was I talking about? Jim, so one day somebody told me, hey, Mike, this is a nice brother. Hey, Mike, have you ever been on Jim Rome's show? And I just lit into him and said, I'm going to kill Jim Roman if I ever see him. And he's a piece of you. And he's a filth and filth and that and that. And Jim, you dirty, you know what? And, and I love you now, though, Jim. Man, oh, changed. man. Dude, I am so glad you changed. I'm glad that I waited to talk to you, Mike. I don't like Me the sound too. of that at all. Well, I'm going <laughs> to kick you all you know what when I saw you, Jim. I was in Miami looking for you, boy. Man, I'm glad you didn't find me. Hey, by the way, Mike, you don't want any of this, all right? Uh -huh. Be careful now. Be careful now. I'm not sure you want any of this. I know, buddy. <laughs> all right, number five. <laughs> My man, I am so glad that you are happy and your life is great. And I'm even happier that you decide to spare my life. Great decision, Mike, for you and me both. So again, I'm a big, big MMA guy, but I have always loved and will always love boxing. I love the sweet science and all the unbelievable characters in that sport. The college football has had some exciting players the last few years, some quarterbacks that have literally changed the way offenses play football. However, Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson might be the mold breaker of mold breakers. And after an absolutely freaky sophomore season that saw him run away with the Heisman Trophy, my man is right back at it. Over 1,000 yards of offense and eight touchdowns after only two games. And heading into the biggest game of the weekend, he's ready to welcome Clemson into Papa John Stadium. He dropped in first for a visit on the podcast. So you're the youngest Heisman Trophy winner ever. You're still just 20, Lamar. I mean, your world has got to be spinning so quickly. Do you ever want to hit that big red stop button and get off for a little while? Or have you found a way to slow this whole thing down? Um, well, you know, um, I'm just going along. You know, I'm having fun with it. Like you said, you know, I'm still young. Probably a world win sometime. But, you know, um, that life, you know, um, I'm an adult now. So you got to deal with it. <laughs> got to get your thoughts on your Heisman experience last year, starting with that awesome look. You may have won the Heisman last year, but that suit won that night. Cardinal red jacket, black lapels, polka dot bow tie. I'm a big suit guy myself. Game recognizes uh -huh. game, so I got to ask Lamar. For those who don't know, did you put that thing together yourself, or did you have a little bit of help? Uh, you know, I had a little bit of help. Some people, um, when my cousin, you know, she got the shoes, the belt, the red jacket came out. Um, the the lady from Macy's worked there. She she said she had a perfect fit. You know, me, Chess, I'm Regina. One of my um, uh, secretaries for school, she, she helped me out, and we just went with it. And I just felt it was going to be a great, um, great look. My man, it takes a village. Yes, Look sir. good, feel good, feel good, play good. So then you go yes, up on stage, sir. and the next thing you know, you're hugging it out with Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow. At the yes. time, two of the most recognizable people in the world. Did it seem a little surreal, or did it seem normal and pretty much what you expected? Um, it felt surreal, you know, um, you know, just from seeing them guys as you were growing up, you know, um, just to be on stage with them. Um, being on stage with them, giving them hugs, you know, um, high fives. It was amazing. You know, it was a fun journey for me. What was the night like, and were there any other previous Heisman winners who were with you? What do you remember about that night? 
Um, well, you know, after I won, you know, I stayed in my room with my family, actually. Johnny came over, a couple of guys, you know, um, the son came in the room, Baker came in the room, you know, they were just talking and stuff like that. They left, and, you know, I stayed, stayed in my room with my family, and I ended up going to sleep. <laughs> I get it. And you mentioned Baker, Baker Mayfield. He was there last year. You spent some time with him. In fact, what did you yeah. make of him planting that OU flag at midfield at Ohio State after they won that game this past weekend? Uh, Baker, a wild guy. You know, he's a great, um, tremendous quarterback. You know, um, I, I see him a lot. He's a great guy. Um, he was cool with me. You know, um, still friends. Yeah, that was that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what about that Heisman Trophy? Where is the Heisman Trophy right now? Um, down at home. Down yeah, I mean, it seems pretty logical, right? But I got to tell you, way back in the day when Barry Sanders won his trophy, I interviewed him within the year after he won it. He admitted to me he had no idea where the trophy was. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even know. Could you imagine losing <laughs> track of the Heisman Trophy? I mean, how do you lose the Heisman? Uh, I don't know. You know, um, I didn't lose my, my <laughs> mine at home. <laughs> Good. I have mine. <laughs> Listen, your numbers this year already are off the charts, but it seems like you're a different player now than you were then. How are you better now than you were a year ago at this time? Um, just keeping my poise in the pocket. You know, I say I'm sure um, a lot at that level. Um, just being able to deliver the ball. You know, going my check down. You know, doing. You know, just doing with your coach basically. Who was your guy growing up? Oh, uh, Michael Vick. Michael Vick. I was my favorite player. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you like about Mike? You know, his ability to make people miss. And he was so fast. You know, he had a strong arm. Can't take that from him. Nope. Jordan Cleats. In fact, Teddy Bridgewater tweeted yeah, at you. Yeah, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater tweeted at you. He said, quote, you know you're special, right? What did it mean to see that tweet from that player? Uh, You know, I caught chills. You know, I told him to chill out. Um, you know, I put the GOAT um, emoji. You know, I feel he was a GOAT. You know, he was the first one here before me. You know, Teddy always been, you know, inspiration to the Louisville City. You know, you've got the defending champs, of course, Clemson coming in on Saturday. Louisville has lost the last three seasons to Clemson by less than a touchdown. How badly do you want another shot at these guys? You know, um, I'm coming into it like any other game. You know, um, you know, it's called a game, but, you know, it's better be a fun experience again. But, you know, we just coming in and play football. That's all. Now, they've got that great defensive line. In fact, it might be as good as anybody in the nation. And they're coming off an 11-sack game against Auburn. So how do you go about slowing those guys down up front? I feel my line is great. You know, um, this year, you know, the guys have been doing a great job. Um, they probably only allow two sacks um, in two games. You know, they, they're doing a pretty good job. So, you know, we're just ready to play. Now, Lamar, you mentioned your family and the fact that you were with your family when you won the Heisman Trophy. And it's so understandable given the sacrifices, especially that your mother has made. You know, at times you make it all look really easy, but it's been anything but. You lost your grandmother and your father on the same day when you were just eight. I mean, it's obviously a horribly traumatic thing for anybody to ever have to go through, much less an eight-year-old. What do you remember mm-hmm. about that day? That day, uh, it was pretty crazy. You know, all I remember was crying and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm grown now, so I just, you know, it's, it's over. I dealt with it then. You know, it's just my turn to, you know, help my family out. You had to grow up so quickly. Now, you've called your mom. Yeah. You've called your mom yeah. your mother. And your father, yeah. and that she served as your uh-huh. trainer and your coach, even a practice partner. Mm-hmm. What's your mom like, and how great a sacrifice has she made for you and your family? You know, growing up, you know, she always put um, pressure on me to, you know, to be a man of the house. Um, she always thought uh, that of me, you know. Um, but now she just um, kind of relaxed now because she see I'm older, and she see I'm I'm focused right now. Lamar, did she know ball pretty well, and could she critique any of your work on the field? Would you hear from her if you yeah. did something wrong? Yeah, she she always trying to she always coaching me up. You know, growing, growing up, she always coached me hard. You know, uh, why did you do this? I don't want to feel, you know, bad things. Like, say, if I just scored a touchdown, but she want to know 
why did I incomplete this pass or something like that? You know, she was always hard on me. Lamar, you know, the great ones want to be coached hard, so I got to ask, who's yeah. the tougher coach, your mom or Bobby Petrino? Ooh, I don't know. That's a hard one. <laughs> That's a hard one. You know, they, they can go neck and neck with that. <laughs> What's Bobby been like to play for? He's been great. You know, uh, you know, if you if you want to be coached, you know, that's the guy you'll want to come to. You know, um, just from being um, a quarterback, just from wanting to be, have that experience to knowing what you in a pro style system and knowing what you want to be in life, you know, you'll want to be a be coach um, on the coach box, you know. Now listen, before I let you go, I want to say I love your part of the country, but then again, I'm a big horse racing guy. Have you made it out to Churchill Downs yet? Have you seen the races? No, I, ha- I have to go this year. No, um, I, didn't, I didn't go to um first two years, but I'm, I'm definitely, I have to go this year. Okay, I had my first hot brown in Lexington a few years back. Yeah. Have you ever had one, <laughs> and what do you think of them? I, I never had one. I never had one. How come? Uh, I don't know. Just I just haven't really tried to get to it. All right, last thought. Big game, big stage, mm-hmm. all eyes mm-hmm. on you this weekend. You've been there before. I've got to know, what is your pregame Spotify playlist? What are you listening to right before one of the biggest games of the year? So I let, who I always listen to. You know, I listen to Kodak. That's my guy. And there it is, episode three in the can. Hope you enjoyed that. And listen, you get what you pay for. And that was free. So don't tell me you got ripped off. And don't forget to subscribe, because as soon as you do, you won't have to go looking for this thing every week. It will find you automatically. Remember, we've got the podcast living on iTunes, Google Play, and JimRome.com, so you're totally covered. And a special message to iTunes users, if you've got an extra minute and you can leave a review, it goes such a long way in increasing the visibility of the pod. It is easily the single best thing that you can do to help grow this thing. I appreciate you. I appreciate your support. Thank you very much. And don't forget, we've got a daily radio program which airs live on CBS Sports Radio and streams on JimRome.com Monday through Friday, 12 to 3 Eastern. This week was an absolute blast. I'm already pumped about Episode 4. See you then. I'm out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.